Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But this little dink ball, the only one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken out, hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, what have you been asked to do a whole while? Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I cover you, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> As we know, the championship kicked off last Sunday in Bally Buffet, Derry and Donegal. So we have four more games this weekend. Feels like it's really hotting up. The two big ones, obviously, are in Ulster. And there's a bit of news um, Jared, this weekend that the Connacht final has gone to Croke Park you know there's 18,000 in Croke Park this weekend for a double header there's talk now the Connacht final well this is a fact that it's going to Croke Park 18,000 the Ulster final looks like it's going to go to Croke Park 18,000 as well great news all around I suppose and like often the GA are given out to for you know bringing it to Croke Park to make money it doesn't look like they're going to make money out of 18,000 they're just doing the right thing and allowing a lot more supporters to go see the matches No I think it's very exciting and um brings a sense of normality back to uh, you know the Gaelic games and the Gaelic world and it gives families an opportunity to scramble for tickets and pack the flask and the sambos and, and, and uh, drive up to Dublin and, and, and enjoy that experience and, and uh, create a few memories before kids go back to school in September and everything else so I think it's a it's a great thing that the uh, GA are doing and uh, hopefully the Ulster final will probably come down then as well and, and uh we get two good occasions there, which you know. Yeah, it definitely will. It's not unprecedented for the Ulster final to go to Croke Park, Brendan. You first hand um experience in this. Not a good experience in two thousand and four, it has to be said. Um hammered by our man Croker, three fifteen to one eleven. But I'll read you a little bit of the match report um that I read um on this one. Brendan Deveni was one of the few positives for Donegal would take from the first half. He consistently won his duels with Enda McNulty, and the many free kicks he earned suggested that Armagh's blanket defence was not totally impenetrable. They were calling Armagh's defence blanket defence back then. Little did they know, Brendan, what, we, what was to come seven years later, a real blanket. <laughs> Too right, too right. Well, I had one good half, and that's that's a good starting point. As soon as you mentioned Ulster final, well, you didn't have to say anything else. I knew it was going to be a, a hard luck story, or a, or in that case, a hammering. But yeah, t- taking it to Crow Park um, was something special back then. Like I know the eighteen thousand thing. I'm just Crow Park and eighteen thousand. Listen, we all know what that looks like, really. I wonder would it be better eighteen thousand in a different ground to actually create the atmosphere because. I know what you're saying. I think it's about thirty to thirty-five thousand before Crow Park even break even. That's what they on, say. Uh, something like that, yeah. Something around that, right? So, I mean, as we know, Wally, the amount of games we've seen there with low crowds. I just, I, I'm not too sure about the thinking behind that because eighteen thousand and a and a twenty thousand, whatever, twenty-five thousand. Then again, obviously, space is the one. Yeah, you won't get that. Just listen, if we could find, if we if we could find some way of, of doing that, Wally, because. We've seen grounds before. I mean, what what exactly? I mean, eighteen thousand in an eighty thousand stadium. I don't understand how much space you actually need. You know what I mean? Surely, if it was Crow Park, you could have forty thousand in it at least. Yeah. Because I just wonder about. I know what you're saying about about coming back, but atmosphere. 
18,000 in Crow Park. I wouldn't be too sure of. And uh, I wish there was 18,000 there that day that our math told us. Yeah, well, the, the problem with this is is that obviously 18,000 is allowed in Crow Park. It wouldn't be allowed in a smaller ground. Yeah. Uh, and listen, don't get me started on 18,000. I completely agree with you. It should easily be 40,000, 50,000 in yeah. Crow Park at this stage. But we know how conservative... Um, they all are. But I, I think since we're so used to no one at a, at a game, like, I mean, you're seeing 5,000 in a match now and you're hearing an atmosphere and it's like, wow, you know, you, the hits are cheered, the points are cheered. You will notice 18,000. Uh, normally you wouldn't. I've played in Croke Park with 20,000 and it's yeah. de- desperate altogether. Yeah, I, I remember t- 2010, we conceded five goals to Mead in the Leinster final. It's on the Hill 16 that day. Yeah, and, and uh, cheering <laughs> Keen Ward. Cheering yeah. Keen Ward at the end. <laughs> She used to record that they made. Um, they got a try in the final with Joe Sheridan against Loud. <laughs> but we, we we played Tipperary in, in the qualifiers in Crow Park. And I remember at one stage, and um, it was a brutal game. Uh, the attendance came up on the big screen and, and it was such a brutal game and atmosphere. I actually had time to look up and I, it was like 21,000 and whatever people had come into it. And it was such <laughs> a dead atmosphere. But uh, no, I think we got a sense of what the crowds bring. Um, you got some a of sense of stages. what the Colchies have to deal with. And what the Colchies have to deal with, <laughs> yeah. But uh, saying this, at the latter stage of this year's league or the couple of championship games up north, uh, the six counties, you know, we, we with a few bodies in there, like it definitely added uh, a bit of a bit of a buzz to the to the whole occasion. And uh, I think certainly for players, when you know your family's in watching you as well, it definitely does help you raise your performance. I think as well. And, and I think that kind of uh, transfers onto the pitch. But Crow Park, big big place, 18,000 people. It might look a bit lost, but look at, um, I think we have to take what we're given, given how uh, conservative that effort and the, the government have been. You know? Seem to be, yeah, definitely. The um, Mayo are obviously giving up home advantage, Brendan. Like, I mean, they're looking at this uh, Castle Bar can only hold 3,500. It's nothing to do with the supporters, I'd say, with James Horan. It would be more get some croaker experience into some of these young lads you know like I mean we, we complain about Dublin's advantage playing there so often like do you think Ulster teams Connacht teams you couldn't really play the Munster final there to be 2,000 at it neither Cork or Kerry would bother <laughs> coming up I suppose but like I mean is there an argument to be made it's the national stadium it's a provincial final play them all there every year yeah well I think in the boom time there there was an argument you know you've seen some big Ulster clashes there that were Close to being sellouts, you know, particularly yeah. I suppose at that time, our man threw under the big rivalry. I think around those times, if they played Ulster finals there, it would be impacted. And it was, there was huge crowds there, regardless. Uh, and you're right, I think for me, oh, they, they're probably looking at this Galway team and thinking, we have that Crow Park experience. And outside of finals, you know, they do win most of their games at Crow Park. So you're right, yeah, a great experience if they're thinking about, you, you know, you, you have a semi final coming up and, and again, everybody likes that bit of a rhythm around. Going to Crow Park and, and taking the the pressure out of it. You know, from when you first played there, and that there was a real tension about Crow Park. And and then as the years went on, because we were allowed on did more and backdoor games, that was lessened and lessened. And you could start to enjoy it, and and it was something special. I mean, that day we went up in twenty uh, or two thousand and four. You, you mentioned there that was the first day um, the Dawson Council had taken charge of it, and it was up to them to do all the arrangements. But they forgot to put on a bit of food for us. So I remember after the match, we left on the bus and um, there was no grub, nothing was organised. So we got on the bus, there's a couple of dodgy heated sandwiches lying about or a couple of soggy Jaffa cakes. So we got on the bus and of course all the traffic was coming down the road. We were coming, we were going the, the cabin way to the south of Donegal. And uh, 
these lads were, you know, they hadn't eaten since, say, breakfast that, that morning, half eight, whatever. And this was maybe now, say, four or five o'clock. So uh, we stopped in Virginia for food, and some of the lads just went down to the bar. And <laughs> in Donegal times, this was going to be a recipe for disaster. So we come out, I remember we came out in the bar then, the county board was buying a few crates of beer for us. They must have felt sorry for us. And uh, when the lads seen that, they went all in buying spirits. So we're in this bus coming back. Some of them had even eaten at this stage, heading to a very somber Donegal town. Boys at this stage were drinking pints of vodka red bull in the bus. This bus was going to explode out under the abbey. Of course, everybody's like, look at these crowd. Like, because once once the hooch went down, well, you know, um, everything went out the window. And I suppose it's hard to put in context now because it's so anti-drink, you know. Um, I feel even awkward even talking about it, you know. Maybe we should have a... A different section of the show, will you? Me, you, and Jericho for five or six pints. We can tell these stories properly. But you well, we see that night, for example, <clears throat> there was supposed to be rooms back in the hotel because we had lost everything was cancelled. So, right the Donegal lads, because Donegal is such a big county, we're in the sauce end out in Donegal town Sunday night, and then the uh, the boys ended up sleeping in the sleeping in the foyer in that. So when they got up the next day, it was straight on the rise, and then of course. Out comes all the stories and, and the messing and the carry on, but I suppose that's the times it was in it. You, know? <laughs> you went out and lost to Fermanagh then in the qualifiers, so like I mean that's true to Donegal form. But amazingly, Fermanagh, <laughs> <laughs> amazingly, Fermanagh went down to Croke Park and then beat Armagh in two thousand and four. So what right. a weird year that did, was. Did they get to the All Ireland semi final? Yeah, Mayo yeah, beat yeah. them after a replay. Yeah. Didn't go too well for Mayo on the final then. So like I mean that was a bit of a that was that a bit was of a scary, crazy. Yeah. Uh, that would geez, Armagh really be kicking themselves that year losing to Fermanagh in that. Come here, what's going on with the Dublin crisis, Jared? Uh, it's getting deeper and deeper as the weeks go on. We have. Paul Mannion gone, we have Jack McCaffrey gone, we have Stephen Cluxton yeah. uh, playing cat and mouse with, 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 the, with uh, Daisy Farrell. And now we have a stalwart of the, t- of the panel, Eric Lowndes gone. Apparently he's going teaching in Dubai. It, it, it's, um, it's, it's unsettling when you have so many people coming Unusual, out. isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, and and it, it's, you know, nobody probably wants to go when a new manager comes in and maybe just after the first year. The lads have to win another All Ireland. Uh, Eric was there when I was there. Uh, a very, very committed, uh, talented guy. Uh, struggled to kind of nail down a place in the first fifteen, but he got an awful lot of game time during his career, and that probably dried up maybe in in the in the latter stages. Even though we still did see a couple of minutes this year, but you know when you look at the level of commitment that we've spoken about that goes into it, and the fact he's won what he's won. And he's probably coming closer to 30. And then you're thinking of, do you know, I don't have a bob in my pocket. And you're thinking about getting a mortgage or uh, getting engaged or whatever he's doing. That You could sell the sponsored car, maybe. I need to do something, <laughs> yeah. So you have to give that back. And then you have to pay for your own petrol and your own taxes. It's a huge own... decision to actually leave the Dublin panel. And it, all the all the add, add, added on extras that you're handing back. It is, actually, when you when you think about it. Now, I, I, get, I don't know whether Eric has one of the sponsored cars. Now, there wasn't one for everyone in the audience. But, but, <laughs> Where uh, did they cut that off? Starting 15? I, I, I'd say probably starting 15 or, or whoever the highest profile guy is, to be honest. But in fairness to when I kind of kicked off with, with um, certainly Pat Gilroy, where with kind of Renault kind of came in and sponsored a few, was in fairness to Pat, lads who were under pressure maybe with family or work, um, they were actually looked after as well. So, so, so it was fairly... Um, so they, they don't do individual deals; they do a, a squad deal. Is that how squad they... deals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, I get an so plug in for Leonardo. Years ago, that 
Sarah, I heard years ago whenever the, the car deal came in that a load of lads had the cars already. Yeah. And then the cars were given out, so subs got cars and that. I was just wondering, Molly, what, what sponsorship? Did, did anybody ever single you out in lease for sponsorship? No, no. I've, 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 I've made several pleas on this show for a sponsored car and nobody's biting at all. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's very, very frustrating. I want that sponsored car. Yeah, just yeah. do have no problem. I'll tweet every day about the picture of this car and me sitting on the top of it. Yeah. You know, it's no problem with me. I'll sit on the bonnet. I'll lie in front of it. I'll whatever you want, just give it to me. It's yeah. just not happening for me, Ger. There, there, there was Brian. Cullen would have under Pillar Caffrey Brian had a local dealership with Leo Neary who, who, who now does sponsor the team a uh, uh, lovely guy Leo from uh, St. Pat's and Lusk GA Club there and uh, so uh, Brian Cullen was the only one I can really remember actually who kind of had an individual deal I was getting the, the, the train Dave Billings Lord Reston organised a, a bus pass and a train pass for me coming in from Minute to get the training and um, he did that for a lot of lads in fairness to Davey uh, so when but did the money start coming in? When the, the All Ireland win two thousand eleven, everything changed, was it? That the, the cars started. The start of two thousand eleven was was when uh, sponsorship deals started coming in. Um, I, I uh, what's his name? Probably Renault. Uh, Bill Cullen, Renault, and uh, I. I had a ninety nine D Polo, right? And um, the I was living up in a house in Avon Road near Cabra, and it was it was a real cold uh, winter that two thousand ten. And I was teaching in, in my old school, Belvedere College, but the locks froze on me, right? So I had to leave the door open the whole time because um, I'd been using the kettle to try to defrost the locks to get the key in, right? <laughs> so for about six or seven months, I was driving a car with, with uh, like it was open the whole time, so it left nothing valuable in it. And then we got a deal in uh, in January with Bill Cullen Motors up on Airside and Swords. And I was driving out uh, of the show, uh, uh, the courtyard, with uh, 11 kilometres on a brand new Renault Fluence and I had to drive out through the glass like you know uh, from inside the building I was sh- shitting myself like you know I was only giving me full licence as well <laughs> and, uh, it was great though I was only 23 or 4 like it was brilliant you Fantastic. know I didn't and have any money like but uh, so then when you when you finished then did you have to hand keys back and like I mean you leave the WhatsApp group and you have to hand the keys back what else what suppose that would probably well you went up to the dealer and say give us a deal and, and, and a continue car. it on what if when you retired, though, could you say, will you keep me on? He's there like, no, mate, you've retired now. Hand it back, give it back. I, I, I probably didn't ask that. I probably should have asked it, but depending on the profile, like, you know, yeah. um, other lads can command that 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 that, that uh, level of partnership. Yeah, Paul Galvin's uh, still driving an Audi in his retired years. In his retired years, so yeah. yeah, it depends on the profile, will you? Yeah, but, true. Uh, uh, I think Kieran Donaghy may have a Jeep there one day as well, did it? Yeah, maybe yeah. he did. Maybe he did. Yeah. A lot of them, Reynolds sponsor um, a lot of them. It's a weird one with Dublin to get back to the football here, lads. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, curi- yeah. I'm curious about all yeah. this stuff. Um, <laughs> Kevin McManaman, he's performance coach for the Irish boxing yeah, team. Or something. Yeah. He's he gone off the panel too. Like, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot going on in that Dublin panel. We'll talk about the game yeah. um, against Mead in in part in part there's, two. There's, a, there's there's an awful lot of change happening, and it's something that would unsettle me. As I was a former player and watching in at the lackluster Wexford performance, um, obviously we won. But when you have so many moving parts and they're all going in the one direction with retirees and 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 fellas stepping away, it's 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 an extra thing that the manager has to take care of, and uh, he has to keep the guys who are there um, singing from the one hymn sheet, and he has to control the narrative or control the story. And, and and it's definitely a challenge for Desi now going forward, and uh, that's why I'm interested to see how they turn, uh, what sort of shape our lads turn up. 
um, in Crow Park the weekend against Mead, you know. Yeah. But um, but no, it is it is uh, uns- unsettling. It is unnerving, you know. Yeah. And now that you mentioned uh, free stuff, Brendan, once upon a time I got a pair of free glasses, Oakleys. I think you got them as well. Now, as memory serves me correctly, so they remember yeah. remember the time Edgar Davids mm-hmm. wore the ones with the strap. Yeah, yeah. And they were trying to kick this off in the G. I don't know, don't know why, but <laughs> the deal was that to promote these, you had to wear these in a championship match. You get the head boxed off. Well, that's it. I wore them training a couple of yeah. nights, and I remember Colin Brown was the manager and like I mean it, look it was just a bit farcical that I was going around with these the, I, I wouldn't do it to the team yeah. you know what I mean I just on a, like, you couldn't do it even the uncomfort you know uncomfortable feeling where them at training was enough for me I just had to yeah. say no uh, yeah. Brett, I, I, wore, I wore them as, I wore them too well they had this mad they landed in Ireland and they, they just planned to go to a couple of players will they with, with what they called attitude funny will they you, you <laughs> was in that lesson here we are but anyway uh, McDonald from me was the other one. Uh, I met Kieran one day, and I, I, I was a Kieran the blonde hair, and and you could nearly get away with him, you know. But I I, I wore them DJing one night back in the day. I used to mess about DJing, like these were mad things. They were. Uh, and when I wore them in, people was like, what, "What's this fuck up here?" I was messing with them on, but I wore them to training one night, and uh, listen, only the one, but half an hour. It was it was it was hilarious stuff, you know. But they reckoned that. It would help with the, the sunlight and different things if you were shooting and, and what have you. I said, man, I said, listen, if I had man on the mat, if I knew I was going to star, I said, I nearly would chance it. Uh, I said, but see for a bit of ugly gear. Nah, not worth it, man. You get killed. You know what I mean? It's, it's GA at the end of the day. Yeah, <laughs> no, definitely. It would, be a, it would be a nice picture to look back on, though, with the, with the Edgar Davids uh and a funny one then as well uh, only as you're talking with that a guy from under armour came into this restroom a couple of years ago and he was pushing the, the lower mouth guard for when you were doing weights and he was a real salesman you know and um, and he says right lads research now from the US says that you can do an extra four chin ups if you have the lower mouth guard in what, because, bite on? because you bite on and, you, and you're producing <laughs> cortisol right and I'm saying to myself here because we, we were only being interviewed how to do chin ups and you know when you're struggling with chin ups and you're climbing the wall and your legs are going up yeah, in the yeah. air and you can't kick anything you bring your knees bring up your to your knees chest up, yeah so we some crack so we all got a fucking lower uh, mouth guard and it was it was the biggest fad ever I say it lasted <laughs> there was a few lads now wearing them the whole time and I was like here will you take that Offices. Well, talk, talk, talking, talking, oh, about, yeah. talking about the fad. I used to wear. I wore the Robbie Fowler thing yeah, on your nose yeah, to, yeah, to open up your nose to breathe, <laughs> and that made no that made no difference. Yeah, I there was a there was a there was a picture come up there about. I think we beat Cavan in '98. Uh, they were also champions. That was my second championship game. But I'm missing from the team picture. And they couldn't get the thing to stick. I started to sweat. <laughs> you were sweating, yeah. So I'm on the dugout. They're trying to put this bloody nose. I'm not in the picture. Somebody's saying, where the hell were you at? That's where I was. <laughs> it's absolutely, yeah, all this kind of nonsense. That was just yeah. copying a fad. They didn't yeah. work. They did not work. I just no, thought they sure. looked, they're, yeah. they're a little bit different or whatever, sure. Robbie I went, Fowler used to have it though. Yeah, yeah, Fowler kind of kicked that off. I went through a phase of wearing sweatbands on my wrist. They had no real function either other than kind of, you know, looking, looking kind of cool. <laughs> Come here, we're talking about Cluxton a good bit in the last uh, couple of weeks. We're not going to talk about him here but I thought this was a funny one Conor McKeown had a piece on Cluxton in the Independent a good one about his hate for journalists which I thought was funny um, there was a lot of stuff in it I didn't know but there was a little anecdote about it that I'd heard before about Jack McCaffrey you would have been there for this when he landed yeah. the training in a Cork jersey and Cluxton went up to says hi I'm Stephen Cluxton welcome aboard now don't wear that fucking thing down here again right yeah 
which I, when I read it, I went, Jesus, that's lousy by Cluxham. What's his problem? And then it's that because that's only because of what I would have remembered when I went training in the 90s and 2000s. It was just a mixed match of all swapped yeah. gear and all different jerseys from. And, you know, yeah, you rotated them. But then I was thinking Dublin would have training gear. Yeah. So Jack would have looked out of place in a Cork jersey. It would have looked wrong. In yeah. the squad. So then I was thinking Cluxton was dead right to say that to him. Well, you know, he, he was really the, 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 the way the culture was kind of growing. And when I started, um, Pillar Caffrey uh, was manager. And I went in with a Cork jersey as well. Uh, we'd lost our Beck Cork in a minor all around semi final. And I wore a Cork jersey. And Johnny McGee came over and says, Take that fucking thing off. Like, you know? Really? So I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but at that stage, I literally was only in the door, so I didn't really have any gear bar. The odd bit you get for the miners. And Jack was actually in the same boat. He literally just come walk through the door. But that was the norm, isn't it? You kind of wore whatever yeah. you want. And, uh, uh, but yeah. It was, it was like a fashion parade of who had the nicest jersey from another county, Brendan, where, yeah. where I was. But I completely understand the culture of not wearing them, you know, almost disrespecting them and we're wearing our own training stuff. I thought the county jerseys were always too heavy. I didn't really like them. Yeah, the I remember back that time, actually going back actually to 98 again, uh, we had no bubs at, at Donegal this night and there was a there was a corner back there. <clears throat> I'll tell you the type of mate, he would have done a hard training session on Tuesday night, threw the jersey in the bag and just took it out and put it on <laughs> on the Thursday night. Smell so we, at the time, another way you used to swap to get the colours. So I had to swap with him. Honest to God, I pulled this to, to my head. This thing is, as my wee lad Lucas would say, was honking. I mean, it was alive. I couldn't put it on, right? I couldn't get it over my head, so I just says, I'll go with the skins, you know. But the same guy was, was a good-looking guy. No bother with the chicks, you know, so he must have put the aftershave on for the weekend. <laughs> Come here, do, do, do Dublin just go to training with a pair of boots? Uh, I, I, I seen that in your show notes. That never happened in my time. Really? No. Because uh, I thought all their laundry was done for it. This makes sense. It's very professional, obviously, but it would take all that. Jesus, during the winter, you know, there's a lot of gear to get through and wash. The, um, like, I, I can only remember briefly, there was talk of it, with, with, I think maybe when Pillar was there, but just getting your towel washed or something like that. Right. But, but in terms of your gear, I think it's important that you mind your own gear and, 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 and you prepare come with the train and, and it gets you into the zone and you look after it and you mind, you know, and uh, that helps kind of uh, makes you think elite as well, you know. But uh, no, I don't, uh, unless it's changed in the last four or five years since I'm gone, but um, I'm surprised, if it, I would be surprised if, if that is the case, you know. You've got to wash your own gear, you know. Well, Bring it home to mommy the weekend. You know? <laughs> well, that's the thing, like, yeah. I mean, when you're living on your own, it is a lot. Like, if you're training three times a week in the winter, you've got three layers that are destroyed three times a week yeah. I was thinking you always see the professional soccer players Brendan just walking walking into matches and they're all just carrying a, a pair of boots like it, it is mm. I, for me I think it's a huge obviously if it was workable you'd only have to like do a deal with a local laundry company and just have the same gear washed and ready you know your socks togs top jumper whatever and it's ready sitting there waiting for you when you come in the next night yeah, yeah. Listen, a few of the soccer teams that I actually had a bit of that going on, you know, that they would, all the gear would be there for you and different things. I, I remember actually playing with them in Valley. Tommy Wright was the manager. Uh, he was in Nets for the famous Alan McLaughlin goal, but he, he played for Man City and got us all Man City gear. So gear gear was great, yeah, at the time. I, I remember Dagan Boner actually uh, in his first stint there with Donegal, rearing up and everybody. We went about steel the next year, and he, his, his, his argument was that lads are just hanging about in the squad. 
to get a bit of free gear. Now, <laughs> and I remember sitting there at the time, I would have been under my sports gear, and the dummy god gear was absolute crap. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, hanging about with this freaking stuff, you know what I mean? Good luck to you. I know it's come on a lot, but <laughs> it was dodgy freaking gear back then. I think oh, the gear was always horrible, but the couple of pairs of boots you'd get, that was a nice yeah, little yeah. that was a nice little bonus. Yeah, and look at and the, the boots were needed then as well. well uh, one of the other colleges now, I, I won't say who it is, but they were struggling to get a couple of numbers out uh, for uh, freshers there a couple of seasons ago. And uh, one of the lads involved with them, he just put up a, a made-up message saying, right, lads, we're giving out the gear tonight for the year. If you're not there, you're not getting it. He said, there were 40 lads there. And like, where's the gear? He said, you don't have any bloody gear. He says, it's torn up training. Says, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing how it's amazing how players, especially club players, appreciate the free gear so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll be wearing that club t-shirt out that night the following yeah. weekend. They, they, they just love a bit of free gear. It's like being in a pub and getting a free pint. You're delighted with this free pint. Yeah, no, it's great. Uh, and uh, Keith Ricken is, is, is head of GA in Cork IT and he's managing the under 20 footballers in Cork this year and he won the All-Ireland a few years ago but he talked to the three G's you know which, which was gear uh, what to say gear, grub gear, grub and girls that's what he talked about yeah um, that's, that's the motivation and that's, and that's all the young lads want you know so, so, <laughs> so certainly when you're in college when you haven't got two euro in your pocket like you know it's making ends meet so it's a bit of grub or a bit of gear uh, brought you a long way you know yeah so. no it definitely did right well listen we'll, we'll leave it there Les we'll have to start talking <laughs> about the matches at some stage okay so we'll look at the big one of the weekend which is obviously Donegal versus Tyrone in this part and then we'll look at the other three games um, in part three I want to start off here Brendan with, I don't know if I'm reading too much into this quote but I thought it kind of summed up the Tyrone attitude towards Donegal. It's Brian Doher who would have, you know, beaten Donegal routinely, probably, in, you know, in his career. Not probably, he did. This is the quote. He says, Donegal are potentially one of the top teams in the country. Like, I love that. Like, Donegal, for me, are one of the top teams in the country. But Brian Doher saying they have the potential to be one of the top teams in the country. <laughs> am, I, am I reading too much into that harmless quote or is it not harmless? I uh, listen, there's not a media man. Um, listen, I, I can actually, there's some merit in what he's saying around Donegal have the potential to to play at a level. And in, in many ways, there's parts of their team and parts of their performance can, can drop to a level which is outside of the top team. So yeah. actually, it's not, not maybe not a bad statement in some ways, but yeah, I know between Fergal and, and, and Brian, you know, definitely Brian, you know, would, would be one of those guys, he, he, he keeps a head down and, and just does his thing. So, I would say on the spot, you know, whatever comes under his head, I would, I would take with a with a pinch of salt, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, listen, there's probably something in that as well. Well, if you look at, like, Tyrone there, the last five times Donegal played them, Tyrone had won three in a row up in the last two, Donegal won the two of them, so it's flipped over. They've also won the last couple of league games there, so Donegal begin to kind of have a bit of a thing over Tyrone. So the new management then and this group of players and, Somewhat of a of a new style after the huge era of heart. This this is probably for me a bigger game for for Tyrone than Donegal because there's going to be some questions asked if if, if they're beaten, particularly after the Mall uh, in Killarney. You know the big cabin. You know that's routine. It's supposed to happen. They played well. Listen, I was in Healy Park on Saturday night. It was a good performance, a very good squad performance, which is encouraging for Tyrone. But certainly, if we're Donegal were to beat them now, there's going to be huge questions. Asked of them that where they get over Donegal, they've won the Ulster finals as favourites and they'll be on the up and up. So I think it's a bigger game for, for them than uh, Donegal. 
Yeah, you could probably make the case that it's a bigger game for Donegal too, though, because I'd say Bonner and Rochard will be gone if they lose. You know, whereas yeah. Logan and Dewar would be given a bit, maybe forgiven it being their their first uh, their first year. Brian Dewar, all the Tyrone lads are saying the same similar thing after the the Cavan game, and that's their new kicking game. I don't know why they're overdoing this because this is Donegal going to be, you know, reading this. And it was obvious that they were looking for McCurry an awful lot um, and, and stuff. And Brian Dewar says, we weren't going to go with six forwards up the field. We still kept our attacking shape up there. So whenever we got the ball, we had an outlet. I think that's important too. And Darren, McCor- Darren McCurry said, I think our kick passing was up to scratch and we created a lot of chances and there was a lot of movement. Definitely been, we've been working on that a lot in training. And like, I mean... I keep I talked about this last time they came against Donegal two years ago in Breffney Park with a kicking game and what did Donegal do they messed up the kicking game by dropping two sweepers back in front of Cahill McShane like if Tyrone are going to be very obvious that this is their new game plan like it's very easy to stop a kicking game Tipperary did it to Kerry to put two sweepers there do you know what I mean Tyrone definitely need to move to a kicking game but they also need to not forget <clears throat> that patient game you know that we talk about a lot on the show See, with with her and 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 uh, Fergal in there, they're trying to bring about a new way of playing, and you do need again a plan A and a plan B, and you need to be able to kind of evolve your attack and where the kick passes on. If that's the style of football you're playing, well then you kick it in. But if you're the man in possession and you can identify that right, these have two or three fellas back there, no point in kicking it in. We're going to have to work the ball through the hands. Now, we didn't necessarily see that from throwing the weekend because we didn't have to do that. But I think there will be asked questions. Um, uh, Donegal will, will set up, as you, as you described, Willie, that they'll uh, cut out those pockets of space, which uh, McCurry picked up an awful lot of ball. McShane, when he came on, kicked two or three points as well, uh, kicked pass into space. So they won't get those opportunities uh, uh, the weekend. The other side of it then is, uh, from, a, from a Donegal point of view, if they put a higher press out the field the quality of the ball coming in isn't going to be as good and if you do turn them over up there your chances of getting the goal are far greater as opposed to turning them over in your own defence but I can't see Donegal doing that to be honest like, you know, but uh, like it is early doors for, for uh, Dewar and Fergal what's, what's his surname through the joint manager with Fergal Logan Fergal, Fergal Logan that, that uh, I'd, I'd agree with Woolly Brendan that uh, I think there's more Pressure on on the on your management to 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 get over the line here because they're in their year three or four at this stage. So um, whereas uh, uh, the two boys in Tyrone are are just kind of getting to cut their teeth and getting to find out uh, who the personnel are that they want to uh, want to use, and a couple of guys come back from injury then as well. You know, so uh, yeah. Can you see Donegal going pretty defensive, um, Brendan? Even going back there waiting for Tyrone like they did in in Breffney Park that night. Yeah, yeah. Listen, just going back to the thing, I just Donegal, obviously, this team and that management have won a couple also. Should have really won three in a row. Donegal's big problem is, is getting to a semi final. It's not at that point yet. And I think that's been the stumbling block for them. That's why I'm saying for Tyrone, you know, to get back in and win an Ulster at this point is a bit larger for me than, than Donegal. But Donegal's tactics, uh, well, I couldn't believe uh, at the weekend there. And I couldn't believe some of the comments about it, actually, about the two teams who are playing similar. Uh, from the analysis from, from RT and that, you know, listen, <clears throat> the two teams weren't playing similar. Derry were playing complete and utter blanket defence, 15 inside the 45, rigid, rigid defence, hadn't done it on the counter. And for some reason, I thought this would get sorted in the first water break. The only way to play that is to mirror. We've seen it time and time again. It would make a complete disaster of the game. 
Uh, it was funny how excited people got about the game, really, and how much that football has moved into a different zone. Like even Pat's Blam was bouncing about, you know, I thought yeah. somebody put a shot or something on him, he was going nuts. And I was like, this is blanket defence, you know what I mean? Fair enough, there were some brilliant points taken, but that's blanket defence is forced at. But it still was very horrible keep ball at times. Now, don't get me wrong, tension, excitement, all that, it had it, really, but it was still out-and-out blanket defence. The difference with Donegal is Donegal were engaging to own, or engaging Derry at different places were in the pitch, and they didn't drop into the 45, which they needed to do. So as they they approached the Derry attack round about, the, say, the 60 or around that, if Derry got one man beyond that, next thing the 45 was opened up, and how many times did we see a simple hand pass inside? And the good forwards and our defenders were struggling one on one, time and time and time again. Donegal get the ball, Derry dropped completely right and full team inside the 45. Come ahead, what are you going to do? I mean, for 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 some of the cabinet they say about McBerry was useless. Donegal, let's just take Donegal for example. When Donegal did this, the teams full forwards didn't get the ball. Nobody got the ball. No. So your full forwards job there, and he's been backed by say Chrissy McKeague, if we're talking about it, who, who's a top class defender. In fact, if you put McKeague and Rogers in the Donegal setup, Donegal could maybe have a, a proper tilt. But but that said, uh, well, he, to, to McBerty then he kicked this freeze and he hits this absolutely wonder point. So so you know that is blanket defence. Well, you're not going to get opportunities. And for Donegal, it was very obvious. There was only three players, really, that were coming on the ball were going to do the damage. And in, in Langan, McGonagall, and, and Rhea Donald, who was man of the match, the three of them had to play out of their skins. And they did that, uh, Willie. And, you know, just a small point on, on, on when you look at a one-point game, you have to look at every point and every missed opportunity and analyse it. There is three goal chances. They got no points out of it, which was huge. They're going to look to this and that. But there was a small thing I noticed just when Michael Murphy comes on, uh, Donegal are four down. And uh, Donegal get a point, come back to three. And then he comes out for a ball. And because the Derry players were all at him, the ref's watching this. He gets a very soft free, which pulls it back to two, which was absolutely vital. So it just shows you sometimes, Willie, with, with um, you talk about being cute and being smart in the game. You've got to know how they play that. They actually made the ref's decision in his mind. I don't think it was a foul on Murphy. It was. It was very, very soft. But it was done because the ref was watching all the abuse Murphy was getting when he yeah. came on. And that, in the end, was a small thing. It was Derry's undoing. The, the, the league game between these two teams, Donegal won it in Oma, playing a lovely, both teams playing a lovely uh, kicking game. Uh, whether Donegal will allow that or they might, I don't know, it's just that conservative nature coming out again. It'll be interesting to see how they approach it. This has the, the potential to be a good kicking game and, a, you know, a high scoring game. But I don't know when it worked for Donegal two, two, two years ago and with Tyrone being very focused on this kicking game. I don't know. I can see them talking about it, discussing it and coming up with this conclusion, you know, that they might go um, a little bit defence. And especially as well, because the, the Donegal defence is, you know, there's question marks about it. Um, and maybe they'd be worried. Why are they playing? Which, one second, I'll ask you, Brendan, quickly this one. Why are they playing old McHugh in the backs? Like, when, when did this come about? Yeah, yeah. Um, listen, owners talked about this, about just converting them back. Well, this goes back to just the issues of, of Donegal in defence, you know. Um, listen, there's two defenders coming through for Donegal, uh, <clears throat> Gillespie and Morrison, for me, that were proper full-back type of players. They both of them Cruciate, real, real double cruciate, I think, for, for Gillespie. Morrison's cruciate was even worse than the cruciate. He tore something else as well. So they're just back back in training, trying to get back up. So Donegal are trying to, if you fit, fit the, the, the round pegs and the square holes kind of thing. But yeah. you've seen McHugh get ruled for a dairy point. Again, go back to the one points, you know. 
He's in the left corner. The forward rules him on the inside, which he just doesn't happen. He can't, that won't happen with a cornerback or a defender. So, and there's a few people questioning different different guys in the squad and, and why his own back there. I think in that system, you'll get away with it, Willie, if you drop enough people back, right, that nobody's actually one-on-one. The problem is we've done it on Sundays. They were one-on-one, and one-on-one the good players. I mean, you talk about ingredients for teams to come up. Um, they already have the ingredients. You know, they have top club. They have brilliant second-level teams. They're always competing on the raids. They're in a minor final now. They've always got great sides. So everything is there in, in Derry to come back up. And what you've seen... The last day, I think, be Rory Geller's tactics and seeing what he did before Mana. You've got to really buy in to be willing, uh, willing to bring the whole team back and then get the whole team forward constantly in the game. It's a, it's actually a real tough thing, I think, to, to buy into because you're training and playing and training and playing. You've really got to sacrifice your own game. But if you haven't had success, that's going to work. And if you look at just at the end of halftime, um, McGuigan got a shot in along the line. Um, uh, McMenamin got booked for it at the start of the second half. He was Derry's last man, basically, on that 50 line. Their star forward, the man that you need up around the opposition goals, that was him collecting a high ball inside. So I think it's a lot they asked. I don't think teams over time, and that's why maybe you've seen Donegal open up in this game. They've, they're done with that full, full blanket defence. Whereas a team like Derry, they're going to do whatever Gallagher asks. And that's it. They, they have plenty of brilliant footballers as well. So... I think it's, it's probably that balance now. Tyrone and Donegal now is going to be a completely different game. Tyrone and Donegal will play quite similar. And what you'll have is quite similar battles that we had the, the last day. Tyrone's tactics coming out are, are, are huge, of course, and do, does McShane start. And there's word of McKenna and Canavan coming back. And listen, well, I've always said it, Tyrone have the best squad in Ulster. There's no doubt in that. But 15 on 15, Donegal have, have had the better in the last couple of seasons. So... That's why I think uh, Toronto are building up a bit of head of steam going on yeah. this one. The, the, like I suppose, the shape, I'm potentially Donegal might, you know, go very, very defensive. Then again, the counter-attack game doesn't work like it used to. Even two years ago, teams are too clued into it. You might see two forwards, two forwards. Like, uh, you have Dewar there talking about keeping their shape and allowing that out ball. I love all that talk because I've been talking about this on the show for the last feckin' three, yeah. four years without yeah. seeing it. But it's very hard against Donegal to keep that shape because Donegal attack with everyone, literally everyone. And I do take Brendan's point. McGuigan was back. But I was watching this a few times. Like, McMenamin's just running up the field. Like, yeah. he's trying to follow him. And then when Derry get the ball, you see, Mac, you see McGuigan legging it back up to his position to give them some shape. It's hard to keep, the point I'm making, it's very hard to keep a shape and keep three or four forwards up there to give that kick pass option against a team that just goes... 15 of you when we're when we're attacking go everybody go it it, it um yeah look there's, there's an awful lot of, of of material in what you said Wally and what Brendan said um I think I think the first thing for me Donegal what what they did well was was and Brendan touched on it they, they kind of mirrored Derry in that they weren't necessarily for, forcing the kick pass away because Derry were getting balls back a lot of uh, Donegal's play went through the hands because that's what they were faced with, because there you were just disengaging an awful lot of the time. Um, and that's something which, obviously, Tony Gall no doubt spoke about uh, going into that game. But given the quality of footballers that they have on the Tony Gall team, and they're all well able to kick the ball, uh, an awful lot of them in the middle eight of the pitch, if the opportunities are there to be kicked, I think they will kick the ball in, in the same way that we've seen against Throne, against Cavan. But for me, the the quality of opposition for Donegal in comparison to um, uh, the quality of opposition for Drone versus Cavan, I think is going to have a huge bearing on the game for me. That Cavan were for me quite poor. 
uh, quite porous and uh, didn't seem to have any uh, kind of will to win. I think they were, they were the season was over probably going into the game for them. After being relegated down to Division 4 as well and I think it was all too easy for uh, for Throne in that particular game. Now, Dewher has always been involved, uh, all around winning captain. The game has moved on from when he captained the team. Having the structure up front is obviously important and having an outlet there. What we see in modern football a lot of the time is where you have everyone behind the ball and the example that Brendan touched on as well where you have Shane, McG- um, um, McGuigan, not Sh- Shane McGuigan, Sh- yeah. Shane McGuigan hanging around the 45 uh, as, a, as an outlet that when Derry returned the ball back over and Donegal did it as well and you had Steve McMenamin uh, getting ahead of the ball a couple of times uh, just to lengthen the pitch and to create pockets and that's what teams do when they are playing defensive but um, when you have a guy um, in the outlet like Tyrone kept quite often um, that kick passes on uh, the Tyrone forward has to be disciplined enough to stay there even if his marker takes a chance going forward and you're just banking on your defence getting uh, a turnover in and then the quick kick passes on and all of a sudden it's a goal opportunity and then your man has to think twice about going again Yeah. and then the other thing that happened last weekend with Derry Donegal was because Donegal were chasing the game the whole time I think pretty much to the very end um, um, they weren't able to draw Derry out but when Derry, if Derry were losing the game from the outset or chasing a few points going into the latter stages of the game, well then they would have to step up and then the pockets of space uh, appear then for the kick pass. So, so the better players and the better teams are able to see what's happening and are able to evolve and adapt the pitch and they're not so robotic that they can't... Uh, that they stick to one thing, you know. Yeah, Brian, Brian Dewar was talking about the pressure out the field. So he he was talking about Tyrone's improvement, uh, Brendan, and he said defend, the mm. defenders tightened up, but it was the pressure out the field. It was the tackle out the field that made the difference. And I've played on the full back line, and I've played in the half back line, I've played in the forwards, and always the message from the full back line is put pressure on them, lads. If you give, if you put pressure on that kick, let them just give us a chance to get a fist in. Give us a chance. Get the pressure on them. Don't give them an easy kick, or we're in trouble. Get pressure on them. Give us a chance in here. And that was always the message. So, like, I mean, it, it, I often scratch my head about this, right? So, like, I mean, you're dropping loads of players back, and you're giving no pressure on a kick, right? You're actually not pressurizing teams. Why do teams hand pass more than kick pass? Because kick passing is much more risky. Then hand passing, hand passing is guaranteed possession. Kick passing, especially with pressure on, is less than that. So why not just pressure them all over the field, leave no players back covering, and allow them to kick pass, but under pressure, and actually go back. It, it, this is the way I always find it funny. Before two thousand and eleven, you think the final scores in Gaelic football games were five twenty five to three thirty. Mm. There were there was low scoring games with no drop defenders, no sweepers, because every man all over the field was pressurizing their man. And the ball going in wasn't perfect. Now, I do understand now teams won't kick it as much unless it's perfect. They'll work it through the hands. But is there not something in that? Yeah. Well, I suppose if you take it back to, say, pre that time, in backs and forwards, if someone got a ball, if the ball was thrown up in the midfielder, run it about 50 yards out, if you were inside, the easiest thing in the world would be him to hand pass the ball to you. There was really no mark in that if everybody was in their places. And I think that was the difference back then. As the ball built up, uh, everybody was tackling their own man, basically by and large. So nobody had a free run of it. So that guy was kicking under pressure. So if he managed to get the ball and get inside his man, the cornerback knew the ball was going to be kicked. Yeah. So there was such a fight for possession. That's why I think, just going back to Derry, if you look back at that game, the amount of hand passes 
Mm. As you said, the, 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 the high percentage pass was going inside because the guy that's hand passing the ball is, is maybe a slipped as manners come off his shoulder. He's under no pressure. He can give a measured ball inside. So you've got a forward with a defender and all he has to do is break that second. It's his ball. It's his ball all day. So I think that's that's a big difference, Willie, all right? That no one is actually responsible for the guys coming out the pitch because everybody has dropped back inside, which means the ball is kind of nearly handed to the forward. But yeah, for Tyrone, I think that those sound bites for um, uh, Willie are more to encourage the boys to keep doing it. I didn't see anything that major about Tyrone's uh, pressure at the pitch. It, it was just normal Tyrone. You know, they had eight different players starting from that mall in, uh, by, by Kerry. Um, their, their big thing really, well, the first 20 minutes, actually, Kevin gave it to them. You know, it was it was a great game for the first 20. Yeah. But they completely faded after that. McCurry gave one of the best performances I've ever seen, you know. And very strange player. He's, he's been in and out of throwing. He showed absolute brilliance a few times. And then he, he hasn't got in. He's walked away from throwing. He's been brilliant in, in club football. He comes back in. So I thought the, the Saturday was a huge day for him. And boy, did he deliver, you know, as I say, off the bench. Um, you know, Brian Kennedy, a player a lot of people don't know, like horse of a game, big, huge, strong man, Kilpatrick as well. And those are players, the likes of Colin Cavanagh around midfield, that Throne were maybe missing, and you're waiting for new players to come in. I mean, Frank Burns come on, Bradley comes on, Chernan McCann, it's the same McShane. So if those players come back from injury, you know, Throne uh, are in a fairly good place. That said, Willie, it's going to become, if we're basing it on those two games, you would think, you know, uh, uh, Tyrone are going into this in a much better stage. But when Donegal and Tyrone play each other, it's like the old derby scenario. Everything changes. The form isn't uh, that important. What happens is the 15 on 15 on, on the pitch. As I say, this last number of years, Donegal have got the better. Yeah, the Brian Kennedy is an interesting one. He came on, I'd imagine he'll start, and Kilpatrick looked a right player. I was talking to a friend of mine, and he's like, this lad's brilliant. He's a brilliant player, and he's known to be very, very good. He can score, he can attack, he can fetch, all those things, but, uh, you know, doesn't always commit, and it's apparently to have his head right this year. Yeah. I kind of like a lad like that, like a challenge. Let's get this lad right, yeah. and he, he's coming at it this year, and he's fully committed. So he's a huge plus, like especially for kickouts, because you can see Niall Morgan. Like you're going with a midfield of Maddie Donnelly and Frank Burns. Like what's what's Morgan in the goals meant to do? Like yeah. you know when when that full press is on you, like you have to have a target to like go right. Okay. Now take the pressure off me and goals. You you fetch it. I'll stick it out there, or else win a. You know, like them having a big midfield like those two lads. It really relieves a lot of pressure on Morgan's. You know, when the when the press is on. No, it does. And and look, I think that was something that was highlighted on um, on the Sunday game then as well. Uh, the the fact that Morgan did have that option and probably a bit of confidence to to let it go a bit longer to Athletic guys while able to win their own ball. And if they don't win it, they're getting a fist on it. Um, it just adds a whole different dimension to uh, the the thrown uh, play and yeah. thrown and kick out. You know, obviously so. they get it. Get, they get possession higher up the field. Mm-hmm. Donegal don't have men back covering. Now you can win a kick out. Turn around, kick it in. Yeah. No. No. Definitely. Now uh, your kicking game works. Now it does work. And and um, funny enough, now Mickey Hart was loud just that we played against him. He he actually did that as well. Uh, two athletic guys midfield. Slow down the kick out a bit. A lot of balls went long. Opposition were pushing up, uh, trying to force a long kick out. But because these two athletic guys midfield and and centre forward, if they weren't catching it, they were flicking it on, 
and the odds were which the odds worked out in his favour that they were going to win most of the breaks but uh, but you do it and need to have the personnel out there as well you know yeah the, like I mean the one thing about these short kickouts Brendan just to, to mention them quickly is that every team's doing them but you have to remember if you go short to a corner back you are guaranteed to face a 13 13 men because as you're attacking they'll be drifting mm. you know whereas I, I just mm. if a full press is on you Get it, get it long. Like, I mean, and the reality mm. is, I'd like to see the stats on the attack, say if a cornerback goes to a cornerback and you're guaranteed to be, see, 13 men, how many scores come off them? Oh, yeah. and, and you contrast mm. that off how much you get off your, your long kickouts, you know, which are seen as 50-50, yeah. but I'm sure scores off taps to the cornerback are 50-50 or worse. Yeah. And do you know what's fascinating about Bully is the attempt of both teams to stop each other's kickout. I mean, the tactics of that was, was amazing to watch. I mean, Warren Lynch and Sean Patton were, were brilliant at it. They got caught a couple of times. But it's almost the mindset where they've given up that ball. If you go long and you lose it, I think everybody in the team, because so much has been put on the kickouts, 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 yeah. practice, practice, movement, that if they give it away, say you lost, say you had three long kickouts and you lost the three of them, I think that's a wild uh, psychological uh, defeat to the team that's kicking it out. So nobody, come back to the possession thing we've been talking about, Nobody wants to give it away, but the movement and it was fascinating. Then you only had a split second. You seen that, you know, I suppose it was Cluxon from the start, that one step kick. And you can still have to put it maybe fifty or sixty over the first line of people and into the wing. But the movement was going on was brilliant and, and particularly at the very end of the match, when Donegal squeezed up after McBerty's free, do you remember? Everybody was right up thinking, Don't give him possession. And then the sub would come on <laughs> he he let the dairy corner back go back and pick it up. Uh, young Gallon, come on! I just thought to myself, you know, everybody was like, "Don't, don't let them get, make them go long, make them go long." So that's a real battle that's going on. I think for looking at it, Rory Geller obviously knows Donegal's kickout strategy inside out because they were such a part of, of doing it back in the day. So now everybody not only is practicing their own, but is practicing stopping the other teams. But I'm just wondering, like, and and Jer, you would know, Jer, what, what you did this year. Now, how much time are you putting in to? Not only practicing your own, but then stop another team's kickout, or can you do the two at the one time? Yeah, you, you, you can, but uh, the quality of it probably isn't as good, Brendan. And given how short the seasons have been, the last uh, half of last season and this season, yeah. you've so little time to, to to get any decent work done. So the the, the, the simplest uh, thing to do on their kickout is probably to play only. And, and and force them long, fist it in, and, and and get in for the break, and it's as simple as that, you know. Um, but again, on your own kickouts, depending on what style uh, of a play you're looking to probably engage with Brendan. And again, I know with Dublin, we we would have really only worked on our kickouts maybe once a week, where we break up in the backs uh, uh, and forwards. But other than that, it was just all within game situations. But the rule at home is is, and I think it should be the rule at home is. If, if 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 there's a guy on and and he's twenty meters away from the goalkeeper and there's a guy on and he's forty five meters away from you, try and give it to the guy who's forty five meters away if you to get the thing up there as quick as possible. But then when teams are pushing up on you, you do need to be able to in the same way, Brendan. That you know you you obviously play as a full forward. If you get used to playing with someone up there, you know you know he's making a dummy run for you, and he goes one way and you take up his space for the balls to be kicked in the same thing happens with the better backs that they're able to actually make a run off each other so you know myself and Mario Carroll used to have a nice little movement the whole time he'd go one way off the edge of the D I go the other way and if he got it 
nearly give it back to Clucko or if I got it Rory come off the shoulder um, if I didn't get it one of the midfielders would get it in the space I left and then I might loop around and come off his shoulder and that's when you're going down the middle channel but uh, that's a more risky kick pass but, yeah. but it's about working off each other you know so. No it's definitely well, like, I, mean, yeah. I would say you could spend a completely disproportionate amount on kickouts. Yeah. There's like I mean there's yeah. but there, there's more important things to be like I don't, yeah. I don't even a lot of the time even with replays you don't even notice the kickout I like the general play kickout yeah. analysis bores me anyway I've said that well, before come here we may get predictions on this we're going to be here all day oh, what, what, yeah. What, what are you calling here, Ger? God, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, just because Derry have been given a far greater challenge the last day, um, I think they're just going to be a bit sharper, battle-hardened. Um, and hopefully if Murphy is back fit, um, he'll start. And um, I'm just going to go with a, a Donegal win by, by a point or two. I think uh, Tyrone are still trying to figure out their best team with play, players come back as well. Um, and what style of football best suits them and being able to evolve between what's in front of them so for me Donegal by just a point or two I think Brendan yeah fascinating very hard to call um, Jerry yeah I just think Donegal if Murphy starts now and he's, and he's okay that, that's going to be a huge aspect but listen another end of McKenna and Kenneman are back McShean did look obviously rusty when he came on last day but still kicked a few scores and, and, and there'll be a handful of that Donegal defence so if Donegal played tactically screwed in terms of packing their defence and, and sorting out what they didn't last week, I'd expect them to come through as well, but but just about. But again, well, you're on about the modern game. It's all about the bench. Throwing at least five players from the bench the last day that did damage and mm, eight, yeah. eight changes from the team before. So Tyrone have the squad. If it was an energy sapping day, that could come into play as well. So it's on the knife edge. Yeah, it'll be a point either way. Yeah, I'm the same as that. Very hard one to call. Mm. You can make a strong case for either one. I think because Donegal little bit more comfortable in their own skin and you know there's a lot of pressure on them and they did talk a lot the last day McFadden midfield Declan Bonner about the character they showed a lot of times they don't come through games like that and I think maybe that will will have stood to Donegal just they're a little bit further down the road than than Tyrone so I'll give a nod uh, to Donegal as well right we'll leave it there and we'll come back in part three Okay, lads, we'll have a look at the other three semi-finals, um, I suppose, in order of interest. Um, Armand Monaghan, probably the next most interesting one outside of Donegal and Tyrone. A um, lot of pressure here on Armagh, uh, Ger. Like, I mean, they haven't been in an Ulster final. Not even, not, I'm not talking about winning one. They haven't been in one since 2008. They had a good chance a few years ago there against Cavan and they'd made a, they made a balls of it. Aaron McCoy was talking about that during the week. But even a few years ago against Cavan, the first strong game, we threw it away. It was a great opportunity to get to an Ulster final. Like only Brendan Donaghy on their whole squad has, has the experience of that. I think they're putting themselves under a lot of pressure to get to one. This is going to be our year. Yeah, and, and, and it's a, there's a lot of pressure on probably the management team as well. That's, you know, obviously Kieran has been there for maybe five or six years longer. That to not have gotten to a, a, a final in so long and to not have gotten over the line, um, are they in a better place uh, in comparison to previous years gone by? And Kieran Donaghy coming in is obviously adding a different uh, layer to them from an attacking point of view, but. Uh, they're, they're yeah again it's another fascinating game like the other semi-final in that you two have a, very evenly matched yeah teams two f- very uh, evenly matched teams and, and and it's 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 hard to see who's uh who's going to kind of scrape through like 
Armagh they made hard work of a fairly well organised Division Four Antrim team. You know, barred a couple of goals in the in the latter stage of the second half. You know, it was it was it was quite an even game certainly yeah. the first half. Uh, Monaghan had who was Monaghan up against they had it uh, for Monaghan Manana. no like they they, they had a, an easier win there then as well uh, against Fermanagh so it, it, it's it is it, it is fascinating um, both teams are playing a nice style of football they're trying to kick past the ball quite a bit um, it, it, it's 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 yeah it's going to be a very very close one but if I was in Kieran McGinney's shoes I'd be Probably feeling the heat quite a bit now. Um, if, yeah. if, if they don't get over the line. Oh, definitely. There's no doubt about that. Tony McEntee was talking during the week. He says Armagh very good footballers this year more than any other year. They seem to have a stronger defensive system. It works better um, and a bit more of a counter attack style. I, I wouldn't describe it as a counter attack style, Brendan. But I was very surprised at how how many bodies they were getting back behind the ball against Antrim, and that hadn't been a feature of their play to be. Look like, at the first four or five minutes was just all Antrim possession with Armagh waiting uh, that was weird and then like two or three times in the first half they'll send this huge boomer down you know uh, on top of Rian O'Neill or whoever's in there um, mm. Jared Oak Burns or Oshin they keep swapping whoever's in there and I don't know is that to confuse the other team or is it to confuse themselves it's just like I mean it's, it, there's no doubt Monaghan is gonna ha- are going to have to leave a sweeper back because they'll be scared of that big long booming one but if they have a sweeper there it's kind of you know very easy for a sweeper just to pick up the break there. Yeah, I just think the physical presence inside, you see, of, of the likes of O'Neill, the two O'Neills are very physical, and, and I think it's probably, you know, McGinney's attempt to counteract, like to get it over a sweeper, and they hit those famous diagonals. But, yeah, listen, Armagh are on the way back. Well, they, but, you know, I think that was their second championship one in Ulster, maybe six years. So I don't think at the end of the game, you know, we, we're, we're thinking Armagh are they back, they held their own Division 1, but Championship's a different animal, as we yeah. know. And this Armagh team, I think, had a wee bit of the jitters in the first half. Um, that said, I have to commend the end of McGinley. I know Steve O'Neill's up with him too. I mean, for, for Anthem to play in Division 4 all year, to come out of Division 4 to be competitive for 45 minutes against an Armagh team that's got a lot of plaudits, you'd have to say that was a huge bit of work from them, fair play to them. But once Armagh kicked into gear, they have an explosive power, and I think that long ball inside is trying to release a bit of that because there's goals in that team. But certainly what I've seen of Armagh this year, they've got physical presence and power. Um, they bossed Donegal at times in, in the league game up there. Uh, Donegal just wouldn't go away, as, as we keep seeing with Donegal. But even in that game, Willie, I felt if Armagh had shown a wee bit more ambition, they, when they were done the lead, I think they were four or five up in the second half, and they immediately started to sit in, sit in. And that's kind of a team that's on its way up, then starts to realise can be sitting this, and they're not capable, they're not ready to play a game like that yet. So I think the best thing for Armad to do is, of course, doesn't protect your defence, but you know what, in, in Grug and Campbell, O'Neill's these guys, they've got serious power, and they've got great players off the bench too. So the worst thing they could do, really, is to go too defensive against Monaghan. And I think both teams, you know, Monaghan have a brilliant sprinkling of attack as well. I think this could be set up for a cracker, you know, um, both teams have interesting backroom selections and, and different people coming in and out. You know, obviously, we Laverty left left Monaghan and, and Donnelly uh, left in the strength and condition coach. He, he ended up back at Tyrone, uh, but they brought in a few players like Buckley. Uh, but Johnny Davis was the was was the fitness guy. Monaghan brought in as well. Of course, Donnelly joined in um, uh, Armagh. So both teams are really looking. They I think I asked questions of the squad, and it was Jared Teddy there and. 
in any squad in any year, you know, if you've got a manager in for a few years, and I think this was the scenario with Mickey Hart, you know, he was there a long, long time, but trying to freshen up the training and the voice and just the angle, I think, is vital because players are, are you know, it's it's complete dedication to it. It's not like you're coming on a Tuesday and Thursday and you'll do a bit of tactics and, and play a few games and then you play a game on a Sunday. It was absolute constant around, you know, your own tactics, analysis of the opposition, and it's never-ending. So I think having the right people with the right voices, in, and, and, and that's why you've just seen a wee, a wee bit of an uptake from, from Mon and Armagh. They both survived the relegation playoffs um, uh, in different ways. I think Armagh controlled theirs completely, and, and, and Monaghan just about seen, seen off uh, Galway. So anything, everything set up, well, I suppose the best thing about it is it's, it's competitive championship, which we'll get excited about. I mean, it's a brilliant game. Uh, on the on the weekend on the golden area, I think these two games there'll be nothing in them. And um, if the tensions like it was on 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 Sunday in particular, it was it was gut turning. But you know that's that's a good thing in sport because uh, we've just seen so many teams blow all their ones away. So I think. Uh, it's set up for for a cracking encounter between the two sides. Yeah, no, it definitely is. I think if Armagh go a bit too defensive against Monaghan, it'll be a mistake. Um, Monaghan looked very, very comfortable against Fermanagh, just working it through the hands. They eventually yeah. worked the goal, a lovely little ball. Carl O'Connell, McInnesby, O'Hanlon, all these lads have pace. And if you're just gifting, like allowing them possession on the outside of you, they will get through you. So I'd be surprised if Armagh... I'm not sure why they did it against Antrim. Or the, anyways, I would be surprised... If they do that, I think it, this could potentially be a very good um, game. If they, bo- I, I, I don't know. Like I mean, you have these hopes for these games, and then maybe they go a different way. I don't think Monaghan will go overly defensive. But I'd be just a little bit worried that Armagh have gone that direction a little bit and, this year. And in fairness to Monaghan, you know their ability to run it through the hands and, and and through the lines and get inside was obviously obvious to see the weekend. But yeah, and their uh, movement's great. They're flyers. Like I mean, you won't yeah. you won't keep them down. No, no, you won't. But but they were also able to kick it over the top as well. They hit a few lovely um, uh, long distance scores in as well. Uh, so you know they they've uh, a couple of different things in their in their army. The only thing I can think of in Armagh's perspective, uh, from Armagh's point of view, is that they felt like they'd have to play one quarter playing defensive, just to see what it looks like, just to practice it in case they need to go to it. And maybe they took a decision to do that in the first quarter against uh, against Antrim. Actually, day, but. just on that, Kieran McKeever has been a pundit on this show on a mm. few different occasions, and he was always talking about how Dublin slow the game down, take the sting out of it, get a rest by dropping players back. Mm. And you would just wonder if maybe a bit of his influence in that. Yeah, and 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 and, and there's truth in that as well. I don't think they needed a rest for the first four minutes now, but maybe yeah. they're just taking an initial sting out of the game or something. Yeah, it's just probably taking the sting out of the game, trying trying something new. Uh, there's less risk when you try it in the first quarter because you've you've whatever three quarters remaining to to make amends if things didn't work out for you. But it's probably something that they maybe had to look at and uh, given the the forward personnel that they have, I think I think it's seven or eight different scorers. Maybe Arma, the more than Monaghan as well uh, across their team. So so uh, yeah. they were comfortable when they needed to push on. They were able to push on and and that. Uh, Different level of conditioning in the latter stages of the game, playing at a higher division, obviously Sean through then as well, if they're able to power through and create those goal opportunities like they did. But again, two evenly matched teams, I think it'll be far less defensive than, than what we've seen in the likes of Derry's only goal. And um, yeah, again, the both games are usually exciting. Yeah. As well as in Ulster, you know, there's, there's a real competitive balance there between the four squads, you know. There definitely is. Ryan Kennedy and Aidan Forker are back for Armad. Looks like they're going to be back. You'd imagine they'll pick up McManus and McCarran um, inside. Maybe Macklin will go out to the to the half-back line. An interesting one here is uh, 
uh, Rian O'Neill, uh, Brennan, probably plays centre half forward. And like, I mean, he'll be picked up by Desi Ward. He's, he's Monaghan's new go-to. It's a very kind of an attacking half-back line of Carlo Connell, McInespy and Desi Ward. But like, I mean, it's just a tactical thing. Like, if you're being man-marked from centre half-back or from centre-half forward, you can really do what you like. You can drag him everywhere, leave the whole middle open. I would imagine Armar looking at this, look, Desi Ward is going to be man-marking you, Green. I want you breaking to the wing every single kick-out, and I want that kick-out going straight down onto the number 11 for, for Jarlado Burns or for, yeah. or, you know, one of the, midf- uh, one of the midfielders, to, O'Sheen O'Neill, to break onto, down into that space. I can, I can imagine their team talk centering around... There's one thing being man-marked in the corner, one thing being man-marked on the wing, but a centre-half-back man-marking you is a gaping hole and is something that has to be taken advantage of. Yeah, yeah. And listen, I, I think Green O'Neill's got all the skills of, of one of the best footballers there is about. You know, he's, he's such ability. And, and, and the physical side of it too, really, is, is massive, you know. And his ability to kick long-range freeze is uh, routinely is huge. You know, you think... Sometimes you don't notice it in games where a team will get a free and it, it could be 50 yards out and it's it's just had short. You don't notice it. Someone like him can put the ball down and actually put it over the bar. And you know, you're on about tight games. Like that, his free taking could could decide this. But certainly for kickouts, yeah. Um, listen, I, I think the two of them, the physical play inside between them, again, it's a throwback to the to old glory days of of our ma. You know that cross field passing and and how they used to try and open up the play. So listen, it's Bagini in there. It's good shades of that. But I do enjoy his team talk. Like I spoke to him uh, up in Athletic Grounds earlier in the year. And, you know, you can just see he's, he's got that kind of no-nonsense kind of mantra. You know, you work hard, you do your thing. But he's, he's very relaxed about it. You know, and he's, he's been on a... I'm not going to say journey. <laughs> he's, been, he's, he's at some mission there pulling their mat back to where they were. And listen, from a time when... We seriously disliked our man, and then, they, of course, they, they went away and they ended up in Division 3. Now, now, now they're back again, William. What I noticed up there, really, that, that they was up was you talk about the crowd again, the buzz of their Ma fans. They have been denied, you know, um, good days out for so long, and the, the attitude, it was it was massive what they were bringing to the game that day, uh, the, the four or five hundred percent. So I think that the buzz behind our Ma is, is, is massive now. And if they hadn't played Monaghan in the last couple of seasons, don't forget, Monaghan haven't been lost the final since 2015. They were one of the big three in Ulster, but that hasn't happened. They've been taken out by, by everybody, by Down, by Cavan twice. So they're coming in this championship now. You talk about a team that, that wants to unearth some talent. We keep on about the unearthing, you know, likes of Mulligan and Banigan, Lavelle, and these guys. I've given a, a, you know, a great injection uh, and, and the Monaghan, and, and along with the, with the new trainer out there. They're coming in on a completely different uh, curve. So I think if Armagh had played him last year, the year before, I think Armagh would have won the game. As it stands, you know, Monaghan have shown enough in the league there to say that they've got packing a serious punch. It's a fast play and they're smaller and they're nowhere near as physical as Armagh. They're going to play the ball through the hands off the shoulder and come at pace uh, trying to open up the Armagh defence. And you're right about kickouts. I mean, Armagh uh, are on a different uh, physical level to them and that's that's a big gap that, that Monaghan's going to have to... To bridge to stop them uh, dominating that kind of aerial area, and if I was Armagh, certainly I would be looking to go long in those kicks. Very quick pre- prediction, Jared. Well, probably Armagh, just, just like Armagh. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Brendan. Again, yeah, I go, go with Jared. I just think they're going to get a couple of goals. 
uh, maybe over and above, and that 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 might do them. But again, why <laughs> on an ice age, you don't could go either way. But I slight up the Armagh. Yeah, I'm going slightly to Armagh as well. I've kind of tipped Armagh uh, left field Ulster title winners. But at the closer I get to this game, the more I think about it, I'm wondering. Um, I was going to tip Monaghan actually until I remembered I, I tipped Armagh so how can I tip <laughs> against my tip so like I mean that's where tips will get you um, Leinster Championship lads we'll have to be a bit quicker on this um, Dublin against Mead I don't know some people giving Mead a chance here I don't know what they're basing this on like I mean they've been destroyed by Dublin the last two years there's a lot of people like people are I think basing it on you know, the Cluxton thing, the Lowndes, they have a bit of a defensive crisis Merchant's injured McDade is injured but you look against Wexford to just put James McCarthy wing back and Brian Howard centre back, and then they were able to bring in somebody into the Dean Rock is back into the forwards. So, like I mean, they're not any we- and Okafig Burn, the big midfielder, the giant is into midfield. For me, they don't look any weaker. Jer, uh, they, they they're probably weaker in terms of quality and experience, right? But. It is what it is. New fellas coming in, fellas got injured. But in terms of athleticism, Fitz- fellas Fitz- are still... Fitzsimons, Byrne, McCarthy, Howard, Fenton, oh, Kilkenny, yeah. Con, Dean Rock. At some they're, teams. They're all, right uh, for, uh, they're all right for experience. Yeah, and, 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 and Evan Comerford in goal is, is a, a very rock solid as well, in, in fairness to him, you know. Um, but probably the difference between Mead and Dublin this year versus last year is that there was a lot more expected of Mead. Um, I think Mead are probably coming in under the radar a small bit now there's less pressure on them um, they, they pushed for Division 1 promotion they just lost out I think maybe a goal or that's a clear um, and and they did go out in their in their first championship game so they'd be fairly happy with where they are and what they've done but because there's no pressure on them Andy McEntee will be just saying lads go out They've lost their last two games uh, against Dublin Championship now by a, an average margin of 16 points. By a rake of points, yeah. So 16, is it? So if, if I was Mead, I would be looking at what, what Wexford did. Um, I think I think Mead have better... They not. I think they do have better uh, attack options uh, than what Wexford currently have. And if Mead can hold Dublin in the same way that Wexford did, I think they will be given opportunities uh, uh, to their end. But at the same time, it's it's very hard to see uh, any other results other than Dublin winning by probably double digits. But Dublin's again lackluster performance uh, against Wexford. Um, some of the, of the individual performances, um, the likes of even uh, Fento against uh, Kerry, that that's uncharacteristic bad pass, the lateral pass in the middle of the pitch that resulted in Kerry getting the equalising goal. Um, all of those different things come together, uh, you know, as a group. They're not in as good a position as they would like to be, which is no harm too, because you do have something to work towards. But uh, it, 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 um, yeah, <laughs> Dublin will win, but I don't think they're going to have it all their own way like the previous two meetings yeah. as you described. Well, like I mean, we know about Mead. We know what they're good at. They have a decent defence. Like they got a lot of change, a lot of scores. Their half back line scored through two, three the last day. Kyogen was in cornerback. McGill is going to be back this weekend, and they've Lavin in the corner. We know they have a good defence. The problem with Mead is Brendan is that they have no. They're a small little team. They have a small forward line. And they have to play a running game against Dublin and they'll play leave two up and there'll be no connection between the two and everyone else and they'll have to run the ball through the middle third. And uh, we've seen much better teams than Mead getting gobbled up by Dublin with this kind of thing. And I'm not criticising Andy McEntee because they don't have the players to probably play any any other way. Mm-hmm. They, I, I just can't see Mead, unless they can start unearthing some forwards with some sort of physical size and, and, and presence, I can't see them ever troubling Dublin. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, this Newman would be a bit of a handful inside. You know what I mean? He can, he can mix it, but yeah, I, well, listen, this is was, we're making a case here against Dublin. You watch now at Crow Park um, the destruction that they're going to bring to this <laughs> because all we're doing is giving the plaudits all the time. Now they've got criticised everywhere. Players' attitude has been questioned. The squad's been questioned, right? What do you love as a manager? What do you love, Jer? You love yeah. backs to the wall, right? You can be sure now you're training. They're saying, here, they're thinking you don't care anymore. They're saying they're writing you off. They're thinking that a Wexford performance means that Meath are going to catch, catch up. They're going to catch you. You're going to get beat. You're going to lose your crown. I mean, what what more fuel do you want? I mean, well, you listed off those players. Yeah. Give them players a bit of fuel and good luck. Yeah. I mean, you're on about Meath, a potential upset. The whole thing with Meath and everybody in Leinster is trying to claw back the deficit. Listen, if Meath come out of this game under 10 points, I would say... But hats off to you. Well yeah. done. That's that's an improvement. Do, do you have any thought that that uh, Meath can get near uh, Dublin now is crazy? And if anything, the very fact that we're questioning it now, <laughs> I would say Andy McAdee's going, here lads, just let us go on and play this match because <laughs> if, Dub- if Dublin get if Dublin gets stick, well, I don't listen. Everybody sees outlets. They see the news. Desi Fire will be using that rhetoric to, to fire them up and. Uh, God help who's on the end of it and it's going to be Meath this weekend. Yeah, I do, I do agree with that. I don't know whether Desi might choose it or not. I don't think that's the Dublin way but the players will be using it individually and go, here, this is bullshit. I could see a backlash in Croke Park obviously against Meath this weekend. I can see Meath getting a scutcheon for themselves this weekend. The, the, the you, you need something to motivate you um, going into every game and I've mentioned before different things motivate different people and the way Dublin's trajectory over the last since 2011 is is all about continuous improvement game to game, and and that's what it's all about. But you do need that a uh, bit of frustration or that bit of something like Brendan's talking about there, where these feckers are starting to doubt us. Like let's prove them wrong, and I know there's enough of the lads I played were still involved that they think that way and they've always thought that way. Uh, regardless of the whole continuous improvement mantra, and they will be aware of it. They'll be told at home. Yeah. I know John McCarthy, James, James McCarthy. He's the name that popped into my John, head. He'll you, he'll you, be frothing at the mouth. You can be sure <laughs> that James and will torment him all week, saying you can't lose to these meat fuckers. And excuse me, language. All due respect to me, but that's the rivalry that uh, John had with them. And uh, good lads to me, lads. But uh, so 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 um, it will transfer to the field. But as a group, they're they're not where where they have been. But sure, they've been on, on such a high the whole time. Uh, it's hard to kind of remain up there, but um, Mead aren't going to be the team to knock them off. But Dublin need to bring a better attitude and a better um, understanding or, or, or fluidity to to their play uh, the weekend because there are bigger tests ahead. Yeah, no, I think they need to click into form. We'll all go for Dublin in this one. As the last one, then is Kildare and Westmead. This is in Croke Park, mm. a two o'clock pa- part of the double header. Very evenly matched teams again. Like you can see a lot about our man Monaghan here, Kildare, yeah. uh, Westmead. There is a bit of a contrast in, in styles. Like, I mean, Kildare are more of a kicking team. They like to get it down. They like to break with kick passes. They'll get a few bodies back behind the ball, but nothing major. They like to leave a few up there. Westmead are a more defensive team. As we know, Jack Cooney spent some time on, on uh, Rory Gallagher's coaching ticket up in Donegal. So I'd say, like, you know, yeah. that, all, that all filtered in. But, like, they have some good forwards as well. Canellan played in the forwards last day. Jerry Egan and Heslin are at very, very top level forwards I just think um, Kildare have the better forwards they've Ben McCormick Jimmy Highland Dara Carwin Neil Flynn Daniel Flynn is going to be back fit they've a lot more firepower probably than Westmead I think um, it's probably going to be 
a case of, you know, who, without breaking it down too simplistic, like, I mean, if you've got more firepower and you can break even probably around midfield, I think Kildare shade the midfield, more than shade it with, with uh, Feely in midfield for fetches. They can get more ball higher up the field, use their forwards better. And I don't think Westmead have that guaranteed possession, and that's why I'm shading it towards uh, Kildare. Yeah, and I, I'd, I'd agree with you, but 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 it does come with a bit of a disclaimer. Um, it was the December or the January before COVID kicked in. We played against Westmead in a challenge with the college, and um, good chat with Jack Cooney. And after the game, and Westmead were miles off it against an average UCD team that we had out at the time. But the work that he's obviously put in behind the scenes has obviously been second to none and yeah. to get them to where he has them now was obviously brilliant. But for me, I know and the more than Brendan on the Ulster guys a bit better, I, I know a lot of the Westmead guys and the Kildare guys particularly well through the colleges and playing against some of them still. Kildare have a tendency to lick themselves after a good performance and <laughs> they've had a couple of good performances obviously beating me to, to, to get promoted. Um their last outing, um, they only Offley. pulled away. Offley, they only pulled away. In fairness, uh, that again, bit of athleticism, and I think I called it the week before. I know I got some other results wrong, but I called that one that Offley was just an extra game uh, without getting a breather, and uh, they they get found out eventually. But Kildare, um, nice lads, but in their heads, they they may think they're better than what they are, and that's where they might get caught against Westmead. But Jack O'Connor, obviously, with the wealth of experience he brings and the history of uh, uh, Kerry managers with Kildare is obviously uh, with uh, with Mick on that um, brings its own story. So, so I, I, I'm I'm intrigued to see can Kildare put together three back to back performances in Mead in the league promotion. Um, or, sorry, was it the the Mead game? The Mead, no, it was a promotion game. Yeah, yeah the, the the promotion game awfully last week, and now uh, a fairly strong uh, Westmead team. It was Westmead, sorry, who uh, who set up uh, from the relegation. So, so, um, but just about Kildare, but reluctantly. So it's going to be intriguing. Yeah, I'm going just about Kildare here as well, just based on having the the Kevin Feely, who's much better in midfield than either of the anything Westmead. Um, have and would probably guarantee them some some possession. I think Fergal Conway will be able to pick up James Dolan, who's a huge threat from the half back line from Westmead. Like Westmead are going very well this year, and apparently all the noise I hear coming out of Westmead is in a brilliant setup and a really really good structure. And you know they're able to destroy Leash, which maybe wasn't at that level. I'm going for a Kildare win just about Brendan. What are, what are, what do you think? Yeah, same way. Well, you know what? Well, there's an, you said there. There seems to be a great vibe coming out of Westmeath, and and Cooney obviously learned his his setup and his tactics up here with us Northern boys. So I think he's going to make Westmeath out of the beat. The players seem yeah. to be enjoying it. I could just never f- f- figure Kildare out. I'm just wondering, Jack O'Connor come from the older school of football. There are they tactically on it enough to deal with a well set up team? This is set up for for a great game too. Fascinated to know how the managers line up their teams. There's no doubt that Cooney has learned to do it in a, in a, in a re- very rhythmic way. And if, if players are enjoying their football, they're going out and giving it a lash. But me do seem to be on the way up. And we still question marks about um, where exactly Kildare are at. I know they had a couple of championship ones there, but uh, you, you were expected they won those games. But this this is a this is a real teller. But Good luck, a Leinster final. That's as good as it can get for 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 anybody outside the dubs, I guess. And 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 Jack O'Connor, he, he obviously spoke during the season that he prefers playing out of St Connellys Park in Newbridge because it's too tight. If you've ever played yeah. there, it's a tight pitch, right? And it's obviously now they're playing in Co Park. 
big open expanses. But if if Westmead like Brendan touched down, if they can if they clog up their defence a bit, and Kildare can only play the kicking game, will they be able to adapt on the field? Uh, you know, have to be given the opportunity and and the space to 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 play it as they see it, as opposed to the old style kicking game. Um, It'll be interesting to see, you know. Yeah, it will. Yeah. They played well against Cork. They beat Cork and Thurles, which is an open pitch as yeah. well. So I do think... Yeah. They, 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 the big thing, I keep talking about this point, if Feely can guarantee them possession in midfield, they have that... Yeah, that go forward. Ball, yeah. Go forward ball with yeah. the kick on and then they can get make the most out of their better forwards, let's yeah. be honest. So, like, yeah. I mean, you can imagine Kildare will be going to midfield so, an awful lot. With so do Westmead can see the kick out, I wonder. Well, there you go. That's well. Yeah. That would be the solution, yeah, I yeah, suppose, yeah. for Westmead. Yeah. Listen, well, the game is close. Yeah, we'll 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 know all on Monday morning. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be back and we'll review um, all the weekend's football on Monday on Monday, and we'll talk to you all then. Thanks, lads. Good luck. But this little dink ball, the only one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken out, hits the ground, and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, what have you asked to do a whole ball? Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I cough you, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs>